Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Do you know that this is our 119th podcast from Loving the Christ Life? It's unbelievable. The time flies, and these podcasts are so important to hear these teachings from Warren Litzman that he's accumulated over the years and left behind for us. One of the things that we've talked about from the very beginning, and we still talk about, is how we can spread this message. It's so important, and especially today. The one way we can do it is for you to help us. Tell your family, tell your friends to tune in to these Loving the Christ Life podcasts to hear these wonderful messages and these wonderful teachings. Please help us do that. Now, we're into the foundation studies of the In Christ message. Warren Litzman, the best to ever teach these uh, different lessons. And today, we are back into Galatians, experiencing Galatians. So let's get right into it. Here's Warren. He goes on, however, and he says, Nevertheless, I live. So what happens here? The apostle said, Everything that's a part of my past... I'm crucified to. I cancel that out. Oh, it happened. It's real. I can't get it out of my mind, but it no longer rules me. I've crucified the past. The I am, the thing I think that makes me who I am, is crucified. That's crucified. But he says, now that I'm crucified with Christ, I here still live. Even though I'm crucified at the cross, I still live. The paradoxical message of the gospel. I still live. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ. Christ liveth in me. The me now has been taken over by Christ. The real you has been taken over by Christ. I have crucified the past. That appears that I'm a nobody. But not really. I'm somebody because Christ lives in me. Nevertheless, I live. And the life which I now live in the flesh. Well, let's look at something. What were you really as a self? What are we as human selves? We're really nothing but containers. Here we are. At the center of our being, we have Christ. And then we have our soul, mind. And then we have our bodies, which is the expression of ourselves. Here's Christ in us, trying to get out of us. How does he get out of us? How does this living Christ come out of us? He comes through our body so that we express Him. Well, now, isn't it obvious to you that the life you now have is Christ, so the life you should now live is Christ? If you keep on living the old life, then you make Christ of no avail. Paul says two or three times to believers that that's the way it is with some of them. Uh, it's as if Christ was not even in him. He says, Christ is really in you, but said, you live as if Christ is not in you. And that's what most of us see in church members. We wonder where Jesus is. Well, the problem is, he's not getting out of them. 
he, he can't get out of them because they have all these blocks. We have our first block here at Soul Mind about who we really are. We have a misconception about who we are. And then we have a problem here with our body pulls. Always our body is telling our soul mind what it is we ought to do. And that's where we have all these body pulls that are in us. That's why people think, well, I was born with a weakness. I was born different from anybody. Don't matter how you was born. You've been born again. Born again. And so he says, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now, I want to talk about how Christ lives in us. If the old life is brought under subjection to Christ, and that's, that's a thing of the mind or faith. Uh, ironically, I used to teach faith all the time. My every other word was faith, that you need to build your faith up. You need to get faith. You need to believe. And I stopped doing that because that became a religious terminology that didn't mean nothing because it was overused. So I use the word mind now. You need to get your mind made up, which is nothing but your faith in operation. What is faith? It's taking what God says and making it work. It's taking what God says and putting it to work in your, in your mind. Believing what God says and saying, this is the way it is, this is what I'm going to make work. That's faith. Well, it's a mind operation, you see. It's not some fuzzy thing that I can lay hands on you and give to you. It's something you make your mind up about. You've got to make your mind up whether you believe this book or not. You've got to make your mind up whether you believe what God says. Once you make your mind up to it, then your body is going to express it. Well, what about this Christ who lives in me? Who is this Jesus that lives in me? Well, one of the first things we tell people that come into the Christ life is that you've got to get it out of your mind that you can live like Jesus of Nazareth. That's the first big hang-up we all have. We've all been taught, live like Jesus, see what Jesus said, do what he says now, and you'll be like Jesus. Uh, and the first thing we find out after we become Christians, if we really go on with the Lord, is we cannot live like Jesus of Nazareth. Now, have you found that out? That's the first thing you've got to find out. You can't live like Jesus of Nazareth. You can read all these beautiful, wonderful things Jesus of Nazareth said, but I'm going to tell you something. You can't live like Jesus of Nazareth. So get it out of your mind. You say, well, ought I, do, ought I not do uh, what he said? Uh, you can try, but you can't even do what he said within yourself. How many times have you stood on a promise and said, hey, I'm going to really believe this and try to make it work? You can't make it work. Your center of being is not left in you. It isn't in the self of body and soul that's left to make it work. If that were so, God would have never put Christ in us. The reason God put Christ in us is that he knew we couldn't make it work. Now, that's very important for you to begin to live the Christian life. <coughs> First thing you've got to say is, I can't live like Jesus of Nazareth. And the second thing you've got to say as a believer is, I can't live it within myself. See? That's your second uh, uh, crisis you've got to come to. I can't live this Christian life. I can't make it work. You keep saying that. God never intended that you do it. Now, preachers do. Religion wants you to try to live it because that fills you with the guilt when you don't live it that is the oil for the machinery of the church. So you've got to keep on failing so that you keep coming back to God again and again, doing it over again and again. And the end result is you see yourself a great failure. And God wants you to see that. He never intended that you live the life. He never intended that you be the beer. He intended 
that Christ be the life in you. Everything that made you a you was canceled out when you were born again. Why would God want any of the trash of your old life when he's putting his son in you? See? Well, that's where you got tricked by religion. Religion said, now you're saved, try to live it. Here's our constitution and bylaws. Here's our doctrine, try to live it. And about all they could do was to baptize you in water, and that's good, I believe in that. But it takes a whole lot more than that to help you live it. God's intention never was that you live it. His intention was that you'd come to the knowledge that another was in you who was your life. You got crucified. Everything that made you a you got canceled out when you were saved. When Christ died on that cross, everything that makes you a you died with him. It's Paul saying, I no longer live. However, I am alive because another lives in me. Did you get that? I don't live anymore, but I am alive because another lives in me. Now, that's the gospel. Paul said, well, be any man preaching not the gospel, that gospel, the gospel that comes by the revelation of Christ in you. <clears throat> so now we see that Christ lives in us. You have Jesus living in you. Most every one of you in this room been born again. You have the living Christ in you. Your problem is you're wondering how to live it. You're fighting trying to live it. There's probably some of you that had hands laid on you dozens of times trying to live it. Well, you got to make your mind up. Is he in you or not in you? Are you crucified with him at the cross or are you not crucified with him? If you're crucified with him at the cross, then every little hang-up you got died. It's dead. Fella come to me not long ago, and he said, I got a real tendency to do evil. <laughs> I said, you don't have it. You just got it in your mind. It's not real. It died at the cross. You won't reckon it so. You won't say it's dead. You keep clinging to it like a crutch. But to God, it's dead. Well, he said, I just don't know why God don't help me to, to overcome evil. I said, he's not going to help you to overcome something that's already overcome. Is he going to kill Jesus again? Is he going to nail him to the cross again just for you because you can't overcome? No, sir. He won't do it again. Scripture said two times he died once and for all. That's it. No more death of Jesus. Depend on that one death. That took care of your sin. When he died, you died. Now, Paul said, reckon it so. That's Texas language. Cowboy. <laughs> reckon it so. Reckon it so. You heard the saying, I reckon so, that's it. Reckon it so. <laughs> reckon it so. Christ lives in you. He is your only life. See, that scares religious people to death because religion says that I've got my life, I've got my sin nature, and I've got God in me. They have such a battle going on, it's a wonder they know anything. No, sir, you have Christ who lives in you. Once you fix your mind to that knowledge, your life will be what God intended that it be. Let's talk about the Christ who lives in us. What about this Jesus 
who's at the center of our being, who, who lives in us. You see, what's bothered people is how Jesus gets out of them. The reason religion has never let us believe that Christ lives in us, even though the Bible says it over 200 times, the reason religion won't let that happen is because it still has a Christ out here somewhere, and the only way you can really get to this Christ out here is to come to church. Now, am I telling you the truth? You run into a preacher, what's the first thing he says you need to do? Go to church. And I'm not against going to church. This is church today. But that's, a, that's an illusion. Why? Because he says if you come to church, you'll really find Christ. But what if you're already born again? He's in you. So going to church isn't going to change a thing. All it's going to do is further separate you as a self from the Christ that's already in you. And that's what religion does so much. It separates us from the Christ that's already in us. That's why I don't have a meeting anywhere anymore that somebody don't come to me and say, I just can't go to church anymore. I smile. I know what they're going through. They're tired of being separated from the Christ that's in them. Folks, if you don't give in this offering, you're not going to be where you ought to be with God. You don't help me build this Sunday school building, you're not going to be where you ought to be with God. See, what is that separation? Keeping us separated from the Christ that's in us. I'm going to be what I ought to be with God, not because I do something, but because I am somebody. I am this. Christ is my life. So we're separated from the Christ that's in us by us being told there's a Christ out here somewhere. What about the Christ that lives in us? As this Christ who lives in us comes forth, he comes forth through us just like we are. He doesn't come forth through my ethnicity as a German, but he comes through this German as I am. He's not interested in me being a German Christian. His interest is that I be God's child, born again, and I'll express that as my creation of a German. But there is no more German to God. You understand that? There are no colors to God. Christ comes through us like we are. If you're ignorant, he comes through you ignorantly. You're dumb, he comes through you dumb. He comes through you like you are. If you're a bit mean, he comes through you mean. Because that's the only life you have at your center. Paul said... The life I now live is Christ. Christ lives in me. So for him to get out of you, the only way he can get out of you is through your soul and body like you are. But his interest is not what you were. Now, you see the difference there? He's not interested in me being a German Christian, but he would like for this German to be Christian. See? What's the first thing to see about this Christ that's in us? We talked about it at communion. The Christ in me was born to die. <clears throat> Peter said in Second Peter 1 and 4, I think it was, 
that we are partakers of divine nature. That's the nature. Christ is the new nature that's in us. What's in the Christ nature? The first biggest thing we see about Christ in us is that he was born to die. Now, I can't be like Jesus of Nazareth and end up dying on a cross. But the same Christ that was in Jesus of Nazareth is in us. And that Christ spirit is one of a lamb. And the first thing you need to see about the nature that's in you is that it was a nature born to die. It's always giving to receive. It's always loving. The nature in you is a giving nature unto your death. If you are crucified with Christ in the self part, and this Christ in you then flows through that with the same nature that Jesus of Nazareth had. I can't be him, but I have that same Christ in me who is born to die. Jesus was not born to live or to heal or to deliver or to set free others. He was born to die. Had he not died, none of us would have ever been saved. None of us in this room, save there be a Jew here, would have ever even heard the gospel. Had he not died, it was his death that made the difference. So in you right now, in your spirit, is the ability to die. Die to what? Die to anything that keeps you from being your true self in Christ. You say, I just don't have the power. Pray it, I'll have the power. You don't need the power. What you need to know is that in you is an ability to die to anything that is adverse to you becoming the self God intended. It's hard on you, isn't it? You'd like for me to tell you that you really don't have it, we need to pray for you so that you'll have the power. I've got to tell you first that this Christ that is in you was born to die to anything that is adverse to God's plan. You can do it. You can stick with your program if it kills you because the Christ in you was born to die to. I hear people tell me all the time, well, I can't stick with it. I can't stick with the program. I used to run a rehabilitation center, and I heard air excuse in the land, I think. And they hate me to this day because I looked them straight in the eye and say, you can do it. It's just a matter you haven't made your mind up. Why? You've got a nature in you as a Christian that's dead to anything that keeps you from being what God's intention for you was. It's in you now. It's not coming. I can't lay hands on you and bring it to you. It came by the cross. It works in you right now. People come to me and say, well, I just can't make it out to the meeting. I said, you can if you want to. Or they say, I just don't have any money to give. You can give if you want to. Because it's in you to die. The Christ in you was born to die. There's no such thing as God having a born-again believer that doesn't have the ability to do what is right in God's sight. 
Somebody would always come to me and I pastor and say, you know, pastor, I just can't help sinning. I had a fellow one time had a tendency for the women. He had a wife, but he had a tendency for a lot of other wives. <clears throat> he said, I don't know what it is. I just love them all. He said, I've tried to get a hold of this thing. I looked him straight in the eye and I said, you're dead to it. You just won't reckon it so. It's in you to be dead to it. Don't come tell me about your tendencies. If the cross didn't take care of them, there's no hope for any of us. If sin didn't end at the cross, if the reign of sin didn't stop at the cross, there's no hope for any of us. So you can do it. It's in you to die to it. It's in you to die to it. Parents need to tell their children. Look them straight in the eye. They're teenagers. When they tell them about peer pressure and all the problems around them, you need to start telling them about the gospel. The gospel says that the reign of sin stopped at the cross, if you reckon it so. Tell your teenagers that. There's got to be something more solid than us wrestling with every little problem, and that's what God fixed at the cross. That's what you need to tell these other believers that want to disagree with you. Hey, I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. It reminds me of Andy Hansen, who uh, leads our Tulsa, Oklahoma group. Uh, he's a psychologist, and he had a little heart flurry and wanted to come to our last uh, camp meeting, and his wife wouldn't let him. And he looked there and said, you know, Murtis, I've died to that. I'm going. <laughs> he didn't go. She ruled. But he's always saying, I'm, de I'm dead to it. He got a hold of this, and he's helped a lot of people that he has in counseling. I'm de you're dead to that. Why, why are we dead to it? Because we don't have these pulls in our body anymore, these feelings that I need to do it and I can't control myself. That's not where you look for the answer. You don't look for the answer inside of you. The answer is at the cross. Romans 6 says, sin ended there. Death lost its reign. Death no longer rules. Uh, sin and death no longer rule in you. It's dead at that cross. It's dead as he is. Reckon it so. You're dead to sin. If you keep messing around with yourself, trying to get deliverance, everybody praying for you, even fasting and praying over your problems, you're on an endless treadmill. You'll be in a dozen churches before you die. Because you'll never find the answer. Why? The answer is at the cross. That's where the power is. You say, well, I don't feel it. Just set your mind to it. You set your mind to other things, set your mind to that. Death works in you because the Christ in you was born to die to anything that hinders God's plan. The Jesus in you, therefore, lives without hang-ups. You know what a hang-up is. The Christ in you lives without hang-ups. Paul said, Christ liveth in me. If he lives in you, he lives without hang-ups. You say, well, you know, I got this problem. My mama had this problem and my grandmama had this problem. It's always been in my family. I had a, I had a Scotchman to come to me one time. He said, you know, preacher, he said, I got such a hot temper. said, all the Scotchmen have hot tempers. He said, my grandpa had a hot temper and my daddy had a hot temper. I got a hot temper. And he said, I see it in my children. 
He said, we just got to learn to live with hot tempers. Woo, I got a hot temper. I said, that's dead at the cross. There are no Scotsmen in Christ Jesus. There are Scotch ways still fixed in your mind. Change your mind and you'll be amazed what happens. Somebody said, well, you can't change like that. Sure you can. I never will forget in Mexico one time, down there in a mission station, I saw a fellow come in that had, he had golden hair and a freckled face, ruddy, red-looking freckled face, and a whole bunch of Mexican kids and a Mexican wife. And I never saw more of a Mexican man than this fellow. He was born to German parents but at an early age was taken to Mexico and raised in Mexico and didn't know a thing about Germans, didn't know a thing about German language, didn't know a thing about what happened in Germany. He was an outright Mexican. And that was my first indication that human beings are not ethnically at all what they think they are. That fella looked like a German, had German hair, German face, German freckles. Everything about him looked German to me, but there wasn't one thing German about him. He was a Mexican. <laughs> See? What had happened? He didn't know anything but being a Mexican. You see, your mind changes. That's what changes what you do, is the way you think about a thing. That's why the Scripture says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So you've got to change your thinking. You've been born again. If Christ lives in you, start giving some thought to what's this way. Not out there, I need God. Here is what you need to understand. In you right now lives one who has no hang-ups. And if he lived through you, there wouldn't be any hang-ups. There'd still be a you, but there wouldn't be any hang-ups because he's free of them. Not only this, but the Christ who lives in you is industrious. I like this thought because the Apostle Paul in the last two or three chapters of every epistle talks about Christian industry. He tells the husbands to love the wives, wives to love the husband, the husbands to take care of the wives, slaves to serve their master, masters to be careful how they treat their slaves, make sure you give a good day's work for everybody you work for, make sure you earn you. I mean, he gets right down to the nitty-gritty of everyday living. That's because the Christ in us is industrious. Now, I want you to think about this. He's not, but Jesus in you, the only life you now have to God, is industrious. He works, gives a good day labor, earns his money properly. That's the way Jesus was. Everybody that came to know the Lord had this Christ working out of them in that way. The Apostle Paul had churches that didn't give him any money, so he made tents. So did other disciples. They did whatever their hand found to do because Christ in them was a worker. He fit into the environment. 
He put his shoulder to the wheel. He wasn't lazy. You see, we haven't preached the gospel today because we've got a lot of lazy people in our generation. We got a lot of lazy preachers. Let's start at the best point. A lot of preachers that don't work, don't spend time getting the gospel out. But Jesus was industrious. That Jesus in you is industrious. I guess this thought came to me because we had a fellow not long ago in our fellowship who was pretty good at one job he did, got laid off, and he went a year, and we're going two years now without any work. And I, he kept asking us to pray for him. He'd get a job, he'd get a job, and his family was going down. Other people would have him take care of his family and his kids. And finally, it just dawned on me, why don't that fellow get a, get a job somewhere? So I talked to him. And he said, uh, you know, I'm trained in this particular thing, and this is what I really need to do, and so I'm just holding off till I can do it. Well, I said, over a year is a long time to hold off. I said, surely there's some work around. Oh, he said, I could get any number of jobs. Well, the thought came to me, he's letting everybody else support him. Why don't he get one of those jobs till his job comes along? And you know, he never thought like that. He thought like the Jesus in him was some sort of a professional fellow that made a big salary, but his family was starving to death. See? He had no concept that Christ in him was industrious, that Jesus fit into the environment. You know something? Jesus can work on any job. He's alive at any place. Young fellow come me the other day and said, pray for me that I can get a change in my job. I said, how come? He said, that's an ungodly place where I work. And he said, I'd like to get a job where there's at least one Christian. I said, you mean to tell me you're the only Christian on your job? He said, that's right. I said, how many there? He said, there's a bunch of them there. And you're the only Christian? I said, are you asking me to pray for God to take the only Christian out of that place? <laughs> Well, not really. Well, then I said, quit. God gets you another job, he'll tell you. I said, in the meantime, be who you are where you are. I said, they'll all go to hell maybe if you leave. You want that on your hand? <laughs> See, we never think like that. We never think who I am. I've known a lot of people that were professional who had to go take a job at 7-Eleven. Because they needed the money. And you know what? That didn't stop God from providing for them and getting them a right job along the way. Jesus in you is industrious. He's not a fuddy-duddy that's running around saying, look who I am. Christ alive in you. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Jesus is the best 7-Eleven worker you ever saw. He's the best doctor you ever saw. He's the best insurance salesman. He's the best lawyer you ever saw. He's the best at what it is he's doing because you're honest and sincere and his nature flows through you. It makes a difference. One last thought. Jesus really loved people. He really loved people. He never stayed away from people except to be with the Father. He was a people person.
He loved people. The Jesus in you loves people. Somebody's always saying to me, you know, I need to get alone with God. I think there's a place and a time for that. But I'd like for you to get it fixed in your mind that the Christ in you loves people. That's why I want you to hug each other in these meetings. Christ loves people. We could stand up here and say, all of us love one another. But until I touch you somewhere, somehow, it's just a bunch of words. So I've got to go to the fullest extent I can to show you that the Christ in me loves people, loves you, loves you because of who you are. You're God's offspring, and Christ loves you. I don't love people. It isn't in me love. But I don't live anymore. That went away at the cross. Now it's fixed in my mind. I love people. I love one another. You know why that's important? That's important because we draw from each other. We draw strength from each other. We're brothers and sisters from the same father. Offspring from the same father. And we draw from that. There's something about family. Something about family is very important. I talked to a fellow the other day that was going to be put in jail. And I said, don't you have somebody in the family to help you? He said, nobody in my family loves me. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, going to jail, they, they don't like, so they don't love me anymore. The Jesus in me loves you regardless. If you came and told me you'd done the most awful thing in the world and I knew Christ lived in you, it would not and should not change my love for you. It has nothing to do with me liking your actions. If you follow this message, you'll know our emphasis is never on anybody's expression, good or bad. Because the best people I've ever seen express God have been the biggest failures too. So our emphasis isn't on expression. Our emphasis is on the Christ that's in you. If we emphasize Christ in us enough, we'll express to the best of God's ability in us what is right. We'll do what is right. But you've got to see Jesus in you first. Finally, Galatians 2.20 says, The life I now live in this flesh, in this container, I live by the knowledge of the Son of God. Uh-oh, I changed that word. It says, by the faith of the Son of God. But faith is nothing but God's knowledge in action. So the real life you now live, you live by the knowledge of Christ living in you. That's what you get fixed in your mind. You live by that knowledge. This is the conclusion of the message. You may write Warren and Robbie Litzman at Christ Life Fellowship, Post Office Box 17307 in Dallas, Texas, zip code 75217. Again, that's Christ Life Fellowship, Post Office Box 17307, Dallas, Texas, 75217. Remember, you can say to one another, we see Jesus in you. 
We'll stop right here. We hope you're enjoying this study into Galatians and this foundational study of the in Christ message. Sometimes I hear these things and just have to say, wow, at the end of it, they are so powerful. And it's such an important thing to know, especially this day and time. Now, please visit our website, look around, see all about what we are about, about the in Christ message. The website is christ-life.org, christ-life.org, and there you can go to the bookstore and look at these wonderful jewels that Warren has left us, the books, the videos, the audio tapes, it's there. You can have these things in your own home. Go look. Again, christ-life.org. Robbie Litzman, thank you for allowing us to go into the archives each week. We'd like to also thank Valerie Hill, who does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock, thank you for doing our weekly podcast notes. And a big thank you to our wonderful producer, Teresa Ferraro, from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.